Give me a B. Give me an O. Give me a U N C E B A C K. What does that spell? Bounce back, baby. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week eight of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2020 NFL football season and postseason. And oh boy, a lot of people had good weeks last week, but I feel great about mine. First things first, your main goal every single week, week in and week out, is to get the job done straight up. Definitely did that in week 7. 12 and 2 straight up in the games in week 7. Oh man, that just feels good to say. 67, 37, and 1 straight up on the season so far. That's a clip of 63.8%. Definitely moving in the right direction. And then against the spread, our best week in weeks. 10 and 4 against the spread in week 7, bringing me back above 500 against the spread on the season after, as everybody knows that listens to this, really struggling over the last two weeks. 53, 51, and 1 now against the spread. Still losing money, but now it's only like 2 units instead of closer to, you know, 10. And hey, even ended up on the happy side of par on the totals. 7, 6, and 1 on the over-unders has me 46, 56, and 3. Typical struggles for me around these parts, but hey, at least it was above 500. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks were strong across the board. 4-0 straight up with Buffalo, the Chargers, the Bucks, and New Orleans all getting the job done last week. 3-1 against the spread. The only one that I missed was the biggest point total of the week. I laid those full 13 points on the Buffalo Bills. They only win the game by 8. And went 2-1-1 on the totals. We got under 47 in Buffalo, New York, and over 53.5 in Tampa Bay, Las Vegas, pushed on exactly 51 points with the Saints and the Panthers. Taking a look at both the Bridgewater's Finest and the Ante and Co. straight-up pick'em pools in Week 7 action, I've now moved up to 14th place out of 38 in the Bridgewater's Finest pool. That's 604 out of 843 possible confidence points. It's over the regular championship clip now at 71.6%. I brought in 97 of 105 possible confidence points in week seven, a 92.4% clip in week seven. I think that's pretty much my best week of the season so far, but it was not good enough to match the man, the myth, the legend, West Coast Martin. Martin goes 13 and one. He only missed the Monday night football game last night, and that's good enough for him to actually win both pools, both the Bridgewater's Finest and the Ante and Co. pools for week seven. Martin only missed a single confidence point in the Bridgewater's Finest pool, bringing in 104 out of 105 points. And again, going 13-1, and one, that's 93% of the games picked correctly. 
While we do not have new leaders in the Ante and Co pool, Ray's Picks and Gavin OC4 remaining in the lead in those pools with 74 of 105 games picked correctly, just over 70%, which is where you want to be straight up. We do have a new leader in the Bridgewater's Finest pool, that being Return of the Cat, my friend, Blind Canadian Cats. He has taken the lead 70, 34, and 1 straight up, 639 out of 843 confidence points for a clip of just over 75%. And look, even though we're seven weeks into this season, everybody's still really bunched in these pools. The top 15 in both cases. In the Bridgewater's Finest pool, they're all within 40 points of each other. And in the Ante and Co pool, they're all within six games. So absolutely nothing has been decided yet through about a third of the season, a little more than a third. We'll take a peek now into Fantasy Corner as well to see how my six fantasy football teams did in week seven action. And I went even money. I went three and three in fantasy, but two of those three wins were the two big ones. I picked up the win both in the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League as well as the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League. I pushed my record to six and one in the Dynasty League with a win over Tim and three and four in the Progs League with a win over Jeremy. I have week eight matchups coming up against two of the, you know, the long-term members of this community, I would say. Both uh, Chris Carter, Hatbox Kid in the Dynasty League, and Half Moon's Picks in the Progs League. I'm projected to win both of those matchups, especially in the Progs League. I desperately need to start going on a run here. I've won two of the last three weeks. Here I come. And I'll take this opportunity to remind you, as I always do, that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts like this one, you can find all of my results from week seven, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week eight in the NFL. You can find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest and Ante and Co. Pick'em Pools for 2020. Remember, if you win a week, you get yourself shouted out on this show. You can can find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, and you can find information on my great friends and sponsors at Nerd Teas. A smooth, medium warm cup of Kiwi Licious Tea is the only way to celebrate our week eight episode. NerdTees.ca. Hit that promo code BWFINEST. You are going to save 15% at checkout. You're going to get free shipping in Canada on any order over 100 bucks. Or if you're one of my listeners in the U.S., you get a great conversion rate on the U.S. dollar. Like I mentioned, today's blend is Kiwi-licious. I've been drinking this tea for quite some time. It is a really, really, really tasty tea. You can find a ton of tasty teas on nerdtees.ca hit that promo code BWFinest save your money find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love you can do it on nerdtees.ca 14 games on the docket here in week 8 a bunch of division matchups couple of tight ones we've got some underdog plays for you let's get into things with the Thursday nighter the Carolina Panthers at home taking on the Atlanta Falcons speaking of division matchups Battle of the basement here in the NFC South, but in saying that, I mean, the Panthers are only one game under 500 at three and four. However, they come into this game on the tail end of back-to-back -back losses, Atlanta also losing last week in just truly Falcons fashion. They score a touchdown and somehow lose the game. 
Panthers do have the benefit of playing at home here. However, they are going to come into this game, likely anyway, down one of their best players on the offensive line, and that is Russell Okung at tackle. He injured his calf last week. He did not participate in practice yesterday. They play on Thursday. That's a really quick turnaround time. He's got to be considered highly doubtful for this game, and Okung is arguably their best offensive linemen so that just doesn't bode well for a team that tries to establish itself on the run even though there'll still be no Christian McCaffrey this week so one more week of Mike Davis's relevance in fantasy football but you know if you're down one of your best tackles that that hurts against a pass rush and Atlanta's pass rush can get some things done it hurts against the pass rush it hurts trying to establish the run and in a very close division matchup I was kind of committed here one way or the other to grabbing whoever the underdog was in this matchup because I felt that one way or the other this is such an anybody's game situation the Falcons come into this game on the road a two and a half point underdog obviously and that line makes perfect sense but they're the dog I'm actually going to take them and I mean my numbers the scoring numbers I think support this as well but I'm going to take the Falcons here a division matchup they get the upset Falcons in Carolina beat the Panthers on the line as I mentioned Carolina laying two and a half points as a home favorite I like Atlanta to win outright so we are going to grab the plus 2.5 on the Falcons Total in the game set at 49 points. I've got the game capped at a low 50 personally. The two teams are a perfectly even 7-7 seven and seven on the totals this year. I think I'm going to slide over on it because I do expect these are two offenses that can, you know, have some fireworks happen here. And a defense, like Carolina's defense, certainly better than the Falcons. But the Falcons have kind of turned it around defensively a little bit. I think it's back-to-back-to-back games now where they've only allowed 23 points. I still think the game slides over by a couple. So we're going to go over 49 points in Atlanta, Carolina. Let's go Falcons 28, Panthers 24. Let's go to Buffalo now, a battle of the AFC East, which now all of a sudden seems to have lost a good degree of its luster, and it's on both sides of the ball. The Buffalo Bills playing host to the New England Patriots. Many Patriots fans were not alive the last time the Patriots were this far behind the eight ball this early in the season. At just two and four, staring up not only at the Buffalo Bills at five and two leading the division, but now all of a sudden staring up at a Miami Dolphins team that's won back-to-back games and is actually outscoring their usually pretty pitiful defense. For the Patriots, their defense has been perfectly fine. They've only given up 143 points in six games. Like, that's okay. That's maybe, what, 25 points a game, 24 points a game. So you're okay there. But they've only scored 115 points. They're getting absolutely nothing from their outside receivers because it's Julian Edelman and the guy that sold the popcorn because Enkeel Harry just has not been that consistent force at wide receiver two. Their running backs are excellent, but I mean, you need more than that and you need more than what Cam Newton has given this team since he came back from his COVID diagnosis. The Bills come into this week a perfect 3-0 inside this division. So look, they've had three swings at things and they've come up on the happy side all three times. On the Patriots sideline, they're also, like Carolina, dealing with an injury on their offensive line. And it's guard Joe Thune. He's got a low ankle sprain. He did not return last week. His status is considered uncertain because there hasn't been an update on him yet. I would be very surprised if Thune was ready to play. 
Look, I think Cam Newton is saying all the right things in the media, and this situation is certainly not all on him, but he does have to take some culpability for how the offense has played the last couple of weeks. The defense is still doing okay, but it's not doing as well as it had been. This is a prime spot for the Buffalo Bills here. This almost made my platinum, gold, silver, and bronze were it not for... Do I really want to pick against Bill Belichick in one of those top four picks? Because, you know, you never know. Buffalo hasn't exactly been lighting the world on fire. But I do think the Bills have enough to get the job done this week. I'm taking Buffalo in Buffalo to beat the Patriots. On the line, the Bills are laying four points as the home favorite. This might be a little higher than I would have liked to have seen it. I would have liked to see it as a at a field goal, but I'm still going to lay those four points. The Patriots are 0-2 against the spread this season as an underdog. They have not covered. They haven't looked great in those situations when they've been a dog. So I, I just can't take them to cover the four points here. It's not a great hedge. So we're going to lay those four points on the Bills. Total in the game set at 44. Now this is a perfect, absolutely perfect total. It's one of, I think, four that we're going to look at this week. And the two teams are only 6-6-1 six, six, and one on the totals to the over. So it's a perfect total. It's a coin flip as to whether they've gone over or under. I'm just going to have to defer to the fact that 44 is such a low number. It takes almost nothing in the NFL to get to 40 points. So I just don't have a great margin there to stick under. So we're going to go over here by a point or two, maybe three. We're going to go over 44 points in New England. Buffalo, let's go Bills 27. Let's go Patriots 20. Let's give them a game. We're off to Cleveland now where the Cleveland Browns are going to play host to the Las Vegas Raiders. The Browns suffering arguably, I guess probably inarguably, the most significant injury of week seven. Browns are at 5-2 due in no small part to the miraculous at times play of Baker Mayfield last week who after a certain point, I think it might have been either after the injury that we're going to talk about or it was just after a certain point in the game, I think he only had one incompletion and that incompletion was to spike the ball to stop the clock. Like he went on some kind of tear in that game last week but if it wasn't for that, Cleveland would have lost that game. So they sit at 5-2, and two, but it's a shaky 5-2, and two, I would think, at best. And they're still only third in the division because, my God, the AFC North is really, 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 really strong. You look at the Raiders, they sit at 3-3. Three and three. The offense is playing fairly well. You'd like to see more from the defense. They were on the unhappy side of par last week. But like I mentioned, arguably, probably inarguably, the most significant injury of Week 7 was Odell Beckham Jr. He went down on a tackle after, I believe, an interception or a fumble. He tore his ACL. He's done for the year. We hope to see him back in 2021, whether he's in a Browns jersey or not, who knows. But that's a crummy injury, and I thought maybe we could go a whole week without somebody tearing an ACL. Turns out, unfortunately, we can't. So that is obviously, I think, significantly going to limit Cleveland's offensive upside. You're talking about Jarvis Landry now operating basically as the sole wide receiver one. I wouldn't be shocked if you start seeing, especially when Nick Chubb comes back, which I don't think happens this week, you'll see a lot of Kareem Hunt peel out outside and basically operate as this team's wide receiver too. He's probably the next best talented receiver on this team. I think they'll get their tight ends a little more involved. This may make them rethink the whole concept of trading David and Joku because 
Now you need as many mouths as possible on the offense because you just lost one of your franchise wide receivers. I'm going to take the Raiders in this one. Even though the game's in Cleveland, I need to see how the loss of Odell Beckham is really going to impact this team. They're in a decent spot being at home, and the Raiders aren't a fantastic road team, I don't think. But I'm still going to take them in a spot here with them being healthier. Cleveland's defense, not exactly the greatest thing since sliced bread. So I think the Raiders will be able to put up their points, win a bit of a shootout. Let's take the Vegas Raiders in Cleveland to beat the Browns. On the line, Raiders are two and a half point dogs on the road in Cleveland. This number makes perfect sense. I like the Raiders to win outright, so give me those two and a half points. Total in the game set at 54. I've got this a little bit higher than this, so I was it was it was kind of 50-50 because I'm like, ah, oh, 54 is kind of a little bit of a higher number. These two teams have hit the over 10 times in 13 games so far this season. They are 10-2-1. Good enough for me. Over 54 points in Vegas, Cleveland. Let's go Raiders 30, Browns 27. Let's go to Detroit now. Lions playing host to the Indianapolis Colts. Detroit playing a little bit better as of late. I mean, the offense has been playing really, really strong. And the defense, after a couple of shaky games there early in the season, they've only given up 38 points in the last two games in total. They're only giving up 24 over the last month. So that defense kind of playing a little bit better than you might expect the Detroit Lions to play. I don't mean that as any kind of insult, by the way, just defense has not historically been the Lions' strong suit. They sit at 3-3. Three and three. They've won back-to-back games here, have the Lions. The offense kind of picking things up. The defense, look, statistically speaking, they're not the worst defense in that division. And I think if you would have told them through seven weeks, you're not the worst defense in the NFC North, I think they'd have taken that. Speaking of defense, the Colts kind of keep chugging along here. I'd like to see their offense do a little bit more, but they did get on the happy side last week back in the win column. They're 4-1 in their last five. This is a stronger team, I think, than the statistics would indicate. Colts come into the game refreshed off of their bye week. They're not the best road team. They're only 1-2, but Detroit, funny enough, has not won a game at home yet this season. Lions have been road warriors at 3-1 and one away from their own building, but they're only 0-2 at home. And it, look, it's just not, I don't think it's a great spot for the Lions here. I really don't. I think they're playing a team that is going to be able to handle what they do on the offensive side. And then it comes down to an offense that is all right to a defense that is all right. Just top to bottom, I think the Colts are the better football team. I'm going to take Indianapolis on the road in Detroit. Colts beat the Lions. On the line, Detroit's a two and a half point dog at home. Makes sense to me. But where I really look, and I am taking the Colts minus two and a half here against the spread. I like them to win. It's a small price to pay. The Colts margin of victory this season as a betting favorite is 10.2 points. So when you're going to give me a double digit margin of victory as a favorite and you're only laying two and a half points, I think we got to grab that one. So let's go Indianapolis minus 2.5. Total in the game set at 50 points. I've only got this thing capped around a mid 40. I don't think this pushes 50. The two teams are even money, six and six on the totals this year. We're going to stick under this number. I would expect this number to come down. So if you can still get this at a 50, 
If you want to bet it, grab it now because I think it will drop. But let's go under 50 points in Detroit, Indianapolis. We're going to go Colts 28, Lions 17. Let's go to Miami now where the Dolphins coming into the game off their bye. Like I mentioned, winners of back-to-back games and all of a sudden a team you have to pay attention to in the AFC playoff picture early as it might be. They're going to be home to a Los Angeles Rams team that looked really, really good last night against the Chicago Bears, basically exposing the Chicago Bears. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a couple of games. But the Rams will be entering the game, therefore, on the short week. Rams, I think, almost had to treat last night's game as a must-win, and with how incredibly strong the NFC West division is right now, it almost feels like every game for these teams becomes that much more amplified, that much closer to a must-win game, especially if it's a division game, which we'll talk about a little bit later. The Rams win that game to move to 5-2, and two, and it's only good enough for third place in the division. That's how strong the NFC West is. Like I mentioned, the Dolphins come into this bad boy riding high. They're averaging 30 points a game over their last four. And the defense is only giving up 15. They had one little stinker defensively there three weeks ago. I think it was three weeks ago. But their last game, they pitched a shutout. Granted, it was against the Jets, but still. Look, going into the game last night, everyone was talking about, oh, the Rams aren't as good as we think they are. They got all four of their wins against the NFC East. I don't necessarily look at the Chicago Bears as a ton better than the NFC East teams. That's just the way I look at them in particular. But I'm not going to give the Rams a ton of credit for, you know, busting up the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. This is my upset of the week, ladies and gentlemen. I like the Miami Dolphins at home to beat the Los Angeles Rams. Well-rested team versus a team coming in on the short week during COVID. That's an issue. I like Miami to win this thing. Dolphins beat the Rams. On the line, Miami's obviously an underdog. They're a three and a half point dog at home. I like them to win the game outright. Give me those three and a half points on Miami. Total in the game set at 49 points, and this is kind of similar to me as Indianapolis and Detroit. I've got this around a mid-40, so I was leaning to the under, and these two teams are only a combined 4-9 and nine to the over this year. So let's grab the under in that one, under 49 points in Los Angeles, Miami. Let's take Dolphins 24, Rams 22. Let's go to Baltimore now, arguably the marquee matchup of the week, the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Baltimore enters the game well-rested off of their bye week. Pittsburgh enters the game on the tail end of back-to-back roadies. I can't say much more than has already been said about these two teams. The Steelers, the only undefeated team left in the NFL at 6-0. The Ravens, an incredible defensive performance through their first six games, only giving up 104 points in six games. They sit at 5-1, very much in the driver's seat of at least an AFC playoff berth, if not challenging for the division. Ravens, of course, get the benefit this time around of playing the game at home. They're winners of three games in a row after a loss, you know, close to a month ago. Both of these teams obviously playing incredibly well, both predicated on fantastic defense and offenses that, look, they're basically getting the job done at about the same rate. 
usually this would be the kind of game where I would be, again, looking at margins. And you're talking about Baltimore being better rested off the bye. Pittsburgh on the tail end of back-to-back road games. And we, we've seen so far this season teams that are on the tail end of back-to-back road games only winning a little less than 50% of the time. They're doing very well against the spread. However, look, until Pittsburgh loses a game, I don't think I can bet against them. The offense is doing great things. The defense looks impenetrable. This will be the best team, obviously, that the Baltimore Ravens have played all year. This will be their stiffest test to date. It'll be real interesting to see how that team responds coming off the bye. I gotta take, I feel almost feel compelled, but I have to take the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game. Let's take Pittsburgh on the road in Baltimore to beat the Ravens. On the line, Baltimore is a three and a half point favorite, and I think this would be a hedge one way or the other. I mean, I like Pittsburgh to win outright, so obviously I'm taking those three and a half points. But I think even if you like Baltimore to win, this wouldn't be the worst idea to hedge your bets because in this kind of a game, virtually anything can happen. On the line, the point total sits at 46 and a half points. I've got this at like a low to mid 40. It might push this number, but combined, the two teams are a little bit under 500 to the over this year. So let's margin over or margin under, sorry, on that game. We're going to go under 46 and a half points in Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Steelers 22, Ravens 21. Let's go to Denver now where the Broncos are going to meet the LA Chargers, both of these teams dealing with injuries on the offensive side of the football. Battle of the basement dwellers in the AFC West, but I mean the Chargers and the Broncos only sit one game behind Vegas. The Raiders at 3-3, and both of these teams at 2-4. and The defenses have been about similar between the Chargers and the Broncos. The offenses have been the biggest margin. The Chargers have scored about 150 points. The Broncos have only scored 116. The game is in Denver, but there's been no home field advantage for the Broncos this year. They are 0-3 in their own building. Now, even with the advantage last week of how bloody freezing cold it was in Denver, Kansas City still walked out and absolutely demolished Denver. So I don't know how much more of a margin you're going to need. As I mentioned, pair of injuries on the offensive side here, one for each team. Uh, Philip Lindsay, running back for the Broncos, he suffered a concussion in that game against Kansas City. He's currently in protocol. His status is uncertain. They would, of course, be going with Melvin Gordon if Lindsay would not be able to play. And for the Chargers, tight end Virgil Green suffered a lateral ankle sprain, which I don't know if that's a term, a specific term that I've ever heard before. He's likely headed to the injured reserve. That would mean he would miss three games Virgil Green has kind of been picking it up a little bit in the receiving game lately so that is a loss for the Chargers all the same here I see one offense that's really good and one offense that really not so much so even though the game is in Denver I'm going to lean on the team with the better offense let's take the Chargers on the road in Denver to beat the Broncos On the line, the Broncos are giving three points as a home underdog to the Chargers. And I had to look at this line really, really closely. Like three points is usually that I like them to win. It's a small price to pay territory. But I needed a little extra than that because, again, it is a division game. I don't trust the Chargers. Anything can happen. The Broncos' margin of victory as a home underdog this year, which is what they are, 
the margin of victory is negative 15.7. So yeah, you can chalk up the fact that they got blown out last week, but that's a terrible margin of victory. And that's as an underdog specifically at home. So look, they're an underdog at home. They're getting blown out this year and we only have to lay three points. So let's lay minus three on the Chargers. Total in the game set at 45 points. This is a perfect total for me. The second perfect total we're going to look at. The two teams are an even money six and six on the totals this year. I think it's going to skew under because I don't know what I'm going to get from the Broncos offensively. If I had a better idea of what I'm going to get, then maybe because this is only a 45, maybe it might skew over. But as of right now, got to stay under on this number. Under 45 points in Chargers Broncos. Let's go LA 27, Denver 17. Let's go to Chicago now where the aforementioned Bears coming off of getting blown out on Monday Night Football, now get to play host to the New Orleans Saints, who will likely be welcoming Michael Thomas back to their team. Hooray for Chicago. The Saints right now are basically what I thought they would be at the beginning of the season. I kind of expected a little more out of their defense. Like, I expected their defense to be playing closer to a level that Tampa Bay's is right now. But look, they're still 4-2. They're winners of three straight games. They're going to get their best offensive player back in the fold in all likelihood. And the Chicago Bears are, I'm sorry to say this, the Bears are one of the most fraudulent 5-2 and two teams that I think I've ever seen. The Bears have almost exclusively ridden their defense to their record. And I'm not going to try to take any of their wins away from them. Look, they've got five wins on the year. They're 5-1 and one against the NFC. These are all things that I have to take into account. But I look at that team last night and the team is atrocious. That's a bad football team. But I look at their record and it's 5-2. and two. They've won ugly games, which is great. You have to do that. But winning ugly games is very rarely sustainable. And the Chicago Bears team is not good enough to sustain that. And they're not good enough through the air. They're not good enough on the ground. I've been talking about David Montgomery all season long. There are people who see in David Montgomery stuff that simply is not there. Now, it's not an ideally rosy situation for the New Orleans Saints either. First of all, of course, they're playing in Chicago. And second, they're going to be down one of their better offensive linemen. Tackle Taron Armstead, injuring his arm in the game last week. He did not return. His status moving forward is uncertain. Even given the O-line injury, I think this is a game that the Saints are going to win. I can't wait to see what the offense looks like with Michael Thomas back in the fold. Hopefully that happens this week. I like the Saints here in Chicago to beat the Bears. On the line, the Bears are three-point dogs at home. And I did have to think about this one for a second because I'm like, look, Soldier Field, they're going to play better in their own building. But man, this is kind of in that you know, I like them to win. It's a small price to pay territory for the Saints. But that Chicago team that I just watched on Monday Night Football, man, I can't overstate how atrocious that team looked last week. And I don't think it was because the Rams are world beaters. I think it's because that's just how bad the Chicago Bears are. The Chicago Bears got exposed last night. And I think that's only going to continue moving forward. Let's lay those three points on New Orleans. Total in the game set at 47 points. I've only got this thing at a mid-30, so this is actually going against 
the trend of the two teams because they are eight and five on the totals this year. But I'm going to stick under on this one because I don't know what I'm going to get from the Bears offense. So let's stay under 47 points in New Orleans, Chicago. We're going to go Saints 21, Bears 14. Let's go to Seattle now for the other real marquee matchup of the week. The Seattle Seahawks at home playing host to the San Francisco 49ers. Niners come in on the tail end of back-to-back road games. Both teams limp into this very critical football game. The Niners have had a fairly respectable turnaround from earlier in the season where I think they started 2-0, they lost three games in a row, and now they've won back-to-back games. Puts them back up to 4-3, and three, but that's the basement of this division, and that's how good the NFC West has been this year. The offense playing well, the defense has turned it around a little bit, they're playing well. In terms of the Seattle Seahawks, it's 100% the offense. That offense has been spectacular through six games, the defense leaving a lot to be desired. Statistically speaking, the worst defense in that division. The Seahawks are unbeaten at home this year at 3-0. and The Niners are unbeaten on the road at 3-0. and Something's got to give. And what may give may come from the injury situation. We got two actually for the 49ers and a pretty significant one for the Seahawks as well. For the Niners, it's running back Jeff Wilson Jr. Suffering a high ankle sprain last week. He's headed to IR, so he's going to miss three games. He was having a dynamite game before he kind of got his ankle rolled up on last week. Tough to see for Jeff Wilson. Also wide receiver Debo Samuel. After he started the season on IR, he came back. He played well, but now he has a strained hamstring, and it seems likely that he is going to miss the next two weeks. And for the Seahawks sticking at the running back position, it's Chris Carson. He suffered a midfoot sprain in their game last week. He's considered week-to-week, seems highly unlikely for this showdown matchup with the Niners. That means we could have a running back matchup here of Jamichael Hasty versus, uh, oh my God, who's the... Um, Carlos Hyde, Jamichael Hasty versus Carlos Hyde. Not exactly the running back matchup you would have thought you'd be getting from the Niners and the Seahawks. You'd be looking for like Carson versus Mostert. With the injuries on the offensive side, I expect the Niners' defense to come to play in this game. Look, Russell Wilson's a good quarterback. He just came off throwing three interceptions. He's much more than a good quarterback. He's a great quarterback, in fact. But he did throw three picks to the Cardinals last week, so maybe we may be seeing a little bit of a valley. It's tough for a player to consistently play at a peak. I am still going to take the Seattle Seahawks in this game. Very, very close game, but... I'm curious now about what I'm going to see from the Niners offensively. Yes, George Kittle is still there, but the run game is obviously going to be impacted. The passing game is going to be impacted by not having Debo Samuel. I would expect a big week coming from Brandon Ayuk, but I'm going to take the Seahawks given that the game is at home. Let's take Seattle to beat the 49ers. Niners again on tail end of back-to-backs. On the line, the Seahawks are laying a full three points at home, and I'm going to hedge here. The Niners, as underdogs, are 2-0 against the spread. So, yeah, it's only three points. It's like one of the world's worst hedges, but this is very much a coin flip game. Anybody could win this thing, so I'm going to take those three points with the Niners. Total in the game set at 54 points. I've only got this thing at a mid-40, especially with the injuries. So I think this stays under. We're going to go under 54 points 
in San Francisco, Seattle. Let's go Seahawks 23, Niners 22. And the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week eight sees the New York Giants at home taking on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Bucks enter this game like the 49ers on the tail end of back-to-back road games. They have certainly turned things around. Brady has found his offensive groove. Gronk is all the way back. Godwin is a machine. I don't know exactly what they're doing with Mike Evans. It's kind of starting to look like Mike Evans might be the odd man out in Tampa Bay, but that offense is churning and that defense is arguably one of the three to five best defenses in football. The Bucks lead the NFC South at a 5-2 mark, winners of back-to-back games and winners of four of the last five. The Giants, meanwhile, come in just at 1-6 on the unhappy side of par after picking up a win two weeks ago. The Giants do get to come into this thing well-rested off of the long week, having played against the Eagles on Thursday Night Football last week. But look, even all of these things in combination, Tampa's just playing way too well right now. I don't think the Giants have anything offensively that's going to make the Tampa Bay Bucks defense look average. I think the defense balls out in this game. The offense certainly does more than what they need to do. I really like the Bucks here, even with, you know, like I say, a couple of things going against them. The back-to-back roadies, the well-rested Giants being the home team. Let's take the Bucks here pretty comfortably in New York to beat the Giants. How comfortably, you might ask? Well, against the spread, the Bucks are 10.5-point favorites on the road in New York. That is a massive point total, though not the biggest one we're going to look at this week, but that's a big point total. Originally, I was like, oh boy, double digits, I don't know. But when you look at the New York Giants as a betting underdog in their own building, which is what they are this week, they're 0-2 against the spread, and the margin of victory is minus 18.5. So the margin of victory, they're losing the games by an average of 18.5 points. So they've lost by a total of 37 points in those two situations. I think Tampa Bay covers this number. Tom Brady's capable of covering this number. Let's take the Bucks and lay minus 10.5. Total of the game set at 47 points. I've only got this at a low 40. The two teams are under 500 against the over this season. So let's stick under on the total. Don't really know what I'll see from the Giants offensively. Let's go under 47 points in Tampa Bay, New York. Let's go Bucks 27, Giants 14. All right, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week eight in the NFL. We start, as always, with the bronze pick, which is a sparkling 7-0 and straight up. And just under 500 on the betting picks overall, 6-7-1. and The bronze pick sees the Philadelphia Eagles at home taking on a decimated Dallas Cowboys team that has virtually none of its pieces on offense, is a garbage fire on defense, and is on the tail end of back-to-back road games. I think you can guess how I'm going to go with this one. Eagles come in on the long week, now leading the NFC East with the auspicious record of 2-4-1. and one. That said, they did pick up the win last week against the New York Giants. They put up points, at least enough points to win, on a much better Giants defense than the Cowboys defense, statistically at least. The Cowboys have given up 243 ugh, 243 points so far this season in seven football games. That's crazy. The Cowboys have come up empty in all three opportunities 
uh, outside of their own building this year. Now, the Cowboys do have a win inside the division, but so do the Eagles. Like I said, the Eagles are coming in on the long week. And Dallas coming in now with an injury on their own one more time. Of course, it's the Andy Dalton injury. The the really, really dangerous hit from Washington linebacker John Bostick. Andy Dalton got hit with a concussion. No clear update on him, but he seems doubtful, which would leave the... Cowboys offense in the hands of a seventh round rookie at quarterback. You can't pick Dallas this week. Sorry, you just can't do it. We are going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles at home to beat Dallas. On the line, Philly's laying seven and a half points as the favorite, which is not a justifiable line, but I am laying it because of the situation. The situation is Dallas sucks. Dallas is a bad football team right now because they've been decimated by all of these injuries. As a team on paper starting the season, they didn't suck. They were supposed to be probably one of the better teams in the NFC, but injuries and poor play and poor coaching and poor everything means this Dallas team, capital S, sucks. Total in the game set at 43 and a half. I actually have this thing set at a mid to high 50 because how the hell could you trust the Cowboys defense right now? The two teams are combined over 500 to the over this year. So let's go over a fairly low number of 43 and a half points in Philadelphia, Dallas. Eagles straight up. We're going to hammer the Eagles minus seven and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 43 and a half points. That is the bronze pick. Eagles 33, Cowboys 24. My silver pick, which has been paying off big time this year, 6-1 and one straight up, and a combined 8-5-1 and one on the betting picks, including 4-2-1 and one on the totals, sees the Kansas City Chiefs at home taking on the New York Jets. This feels a little unfair, but I couldn't put this game higher in my picks because I bet so highly against the Jets, I think it was last week. Uh, yeah, I don't need to tell you why the Chiefs are going to beat the Jets. The Chiefs are going to beat the Jets. On the line, <laughs> I'm just skipping right ahead. On the line, the Chiefs are favored by 19 and a half points. And that's lower, two full points lower, in fact, from where the line opened. It opened 21 and a half on a number of books. This is just too many points. That, that's a college spread. And Kansas City might even cover it. But I'm not betting it. I'm just not going to pick it. 19 and a half points, it's too much. It's disrespectful to an NFL team, even if it is the Jets. The Jets have actually been playing a little bit better lately. Not much, but a little bit. At the very least on the defensive side. Get off me. I'm not I'm not picking the Chiefs in this one. We're going to hedge our bets, quote unquote, and take the Jets plus the 19 and a half. Total in the game set at 48 points. Pretty well a perfect total, but I'm going to lean on the fact that the two teams are under 500 to the over on the totals this year. We're going to stick under on this one. Let's go under 48 points in New York, Kansas City. Chiefs straight up, but we're taking the Jets plus 19 and a half against the spread in a game that stays under 48 points. That is your silver pick. Chiefs 31, Jets 16. My gold pick, where I am six and one straight up, but only five and nine to the betting picks in the gold pick, sees the Green Bay Packers, my Green Bay Packers, in fact, at home playing host to the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota comes into the game fresh off their bye. This is a battle of best versus worst in the NFC North. Packers at five and one, getting back to their winning ways last week. The Vikings, losers of two straight games, sitting at one and five. And it hasn't really been the offense's fault. 
It's definitely been the defense. As I said, the Vikings will enter the game well-rested coming off their bye and are more than likely, almost certainly, going to be getting Dalvin Cook back for this game. He could not come back fast enough after Alexander Madison put up an absolute dud two weeks ago in the feature role. That I know that cost a number of fantasy players some fantasy matchups. So you get Dalvin Cook back. Green Bay, historically, not the greatest against the run, so Dalvin Cook could have himself a good game, but Minnesota's defense does not have anything for the Green Bay Packers. They really don't. They don't have anything for the offense. Aaron Rodgers should be able to feast. I'm going 3 of 40 and 4 touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers. This is going to be an excellent game for him, an excellent game for the Packers. Packers roll over the Vikings. On the line, Green Bay favored by a full touchdown at home. Makes perfect sense. It was at 6.5 last night, so maybe I should have recorded and got it at 6.5, but it's fine. We'll get it at minus 7. It's a justified line to me. And Green Bay as a home favorite this year, 2-0 against the spread, margin of victory 17.5 points. So I like Green Bay to cover this number. Let's take Green Bay and lay the 7 points. Total in the game set at 54 and a half points. I've got this thing at a mid 60. I think this is arguably the highest scoring game that we're going to see this week. It is in fact the highest scoring game I think that we'll see this week. Let's go over 54 and a half points. The two teams are over 500 to the over this year. Over 54 and a half in Minnesota Green Bay. So we're taking the Packers straight up. We're going to hammer the Packers minus seven against the spread in a game that goes over 54 and a half points. That is the gold pick. Packers 37, Vikings 28. And the platinum pick where I'm four and three straight up, only five and nine to the betting picks so far this year. This needs to get back on track and it's the only game we haven't talked about. The Tennessee Titans on the road in Cincinnati to play Joey Burrow and the Bengals. Despite the Titans' loss and the Colts' victory last time they were out, the Titans still hold on to the lead in the AFC South. That defense is a bit of a question mark, but the offense certainly is not. 188 points in six games has them over 30 points a game, which is fantastic. Cincinnati, despite the fact that they're only 1-5-1 and and losers of three straight games, I think that offense is doing some good things. They put up 163 points in seven games. Cincinnati is doing some good things offensively. A lot of it's come on the shoulders of Joey Burrow, and any success that they have this year I think is going to come specifically from his throwing arm. I know some people are going to look at this as an upset spot, but especially with the injuries that Cincinnati has right now on their offensive line, I think Tennessee is going to be in their backfield all game long. Tackle Jonah Williams. He injured his neck last week for the Bengals. He's likely to return after their bye week in week nine. And one of their other tackles, Bobby Hart, he injured his knee. It's already been said that he will not play this week either. So look, when you're down two of your better tackles, two of your better offensive linemen, you're just, you're so far behind the eight ball. You're not going to be able to run the ball. They're going to be in your face all day. Burrow's going to make some mistakes. Tennessee's going to capitalize on them. Titans in this game all day. Let's take Tennessee on the road in Cincinnati to beat the Bengals. 
On the line, the Bengals are five and a half point dogs at home. This is a totally justifiable line. I really expected this line, honestly, to be higher. I expected it to be at least a touchdown, but we're going to lay those five and a half points on the Titans. A lot of that comes from Cincinnati's injuries. I don't know what they're going to be able to do offensively in this game. And I expect like some third downs to wind up in sacks, drive stalling. That's just the kind of game I think it's going to be for the Bengals. So we're going to lay those five and a half points on Tennessee. Totaling the game set at 54 and a half points. This is a pretty darn perfect total, but the two teams are combined 8-4-1 and one to the over so far this year. So let's go over 54 and a half points in this one, the Tennessee Titans and the Cincinnati Bengals. So we're going to go Tennessee straight up. We're going to hammer the Titans minus five and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 54 and a half points. That is my platinum pick. Titans 36, Bengals 20. There you have it, folks. Those are your picks for week eight in the National Football League in 2020. It is time now for the patented comment of the week. The comment of the week from the week seven episode goes to my good friend, Andrew Warren, longtime member of the NFL YouTube prognosticators community. And he's a Patriots fan. So he's having a tough time of things right now. Andrew's comment from last week says, if my Patriots lose to the 49ers, I think my Patriots should call it for the year and get a top 10 draft pick. I 1000% agree. Andrew, as a fan, we need a wide receiver badly. We'll see how they do with Jimmy G and the 49ers. Oh, they didn't exactly do all that well good luck this week justin let's get our picks back on track yeah thank god that happened i was i was really starting to feel the heat after two weeks of really performing poorly but thank you so much for the comment andrew yours is the comment of the week from the week seven episode sorry about the patriots all right, ladies and gentlemen, the week eight episode is now in the books. Thank you so much for taking the time to watch, listen, interact, all that fun stuff. Enjoy the games in week eight. We will see you again for week nine. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. Again, enjoy the games in week eight. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you next week.